Good morning. Uh, It's so good to be here on Christmas. Let's pray and then we'll get into this passage. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another Christmas. Uh, Thank you that we can gather together and be reminded that uh, there is a greater joy on offer. Lord, we pray that as we think about that, that you would help us see that this morning and recognize that we need a joy that goes beyond the season. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this season for us has been the longest season of our lives, the longest Christmas season. And it all began in July when our young adults had a Christmas in July party. We gathered in the cube, we gave each other presents, we sang carols, and we watched Christmas TV shows. It was great to get in the festive season that early on in the year. Then the festive season continued at youth group. We were working through the story of the Bible. We got up to Jesus' birth and we thought, what better way to celebrate this and to teach this than by having Christmas? So we had Christmas again at youth. We did pretty much the same stuff. Then uh, at the end of term three, we went on a camp where there was a Christmas-themed night where we had the world's biggest secret Santa, over 200 gifts we gave out uh, to each other. It was amazing. It was good to stay in that festive season. Then in our house in November, Christmas carols began to play early on. December came around. We had our second young adults Christmas party for the year. We had carols last week and then add in a few more family and friends Christmas events Needless to say, it's been the longest Christmas season of my life. In fact, I did the count, and we have had 11 Christmas events spanning over six months. Now, I know for some of us, that sounds like a living nightmare. And to be honest with you, through August and September, it was a bit glean there for myself as well. We struggled through that, but we pushed through. And to be honest, I like Christmas anyway. So it was good to be in the festive season all year long. But see, Christmas is here today. And the reality is, if you enjoy Christmas as well, Christmas is here, we woke up early, some of us, we will eat food, and then Christmas will be over. Now, I don't want to be the Grinch, right, and say, well, what's the point in celebrating Christmas anyway, right? That's not me, I like Christmas. But the nature of the beast is with Christmas, it happens so quickly, and then it's over. If you enjoy Christmas, the joy is actually temporary. Now, for some of us, We think actually when Christmas is over, that's when the joy begins. Maybe we hate Christmas, or maybe we just like the cricket. And so we're looking forward to the Boxing Day test or the Boxing Day sales, and that's when we think the joy begins. But the reality is, even then, we can see the season, the joy is still temporary. And so the question is then for us, if the joy on offer at Christmas is temporary, if it only lasts a day or a season or five days, the question is, where can we go to find real joy? Lasting joy, a joy that goes beyond the season, a joy that goes beyond the day. Well, we find this joy in the story of Christmas. And we heard it read out for us before, and we see that in an ordinary account of, an, of a birth, it has an extraordinary meaning that brings extraordinary joy. And so we find this joy in chapter 2 of Luke. We'll, we'll pick it up in verse 4 after the census, and we find this joy here uh, as Luke records it for us. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Where do we go to find joy? Well, we find it here in this story, but the reality is, as we read the actual account of the birth of Jesus, it's really quite ordinary. 
right? Luke may as, well, may as well have just taken three verses to just say Mary and Joseph had a baby, right? That's basically all he records. This story actually, as Luke records it, is quite ordinary. And not only is it ordinary, but if we're looking for joy, it actually sounds quite joyless, right? I mean, if we can feel for Mary here for a moment, she's got to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem on foot, which is 144 kilometers. That's the equivalent of walking from here to Coolum Beach, right? According to Google, that takes 33 hours uh, if we walk it. You throw in a donkey there, it might make things a little bit easy, but if you're pregnant, maybe not, right? Maybe that's a little bit more difficult. She's got to go on this massive walk, heavily pregnant, to go and have her first child. Not exactly the experience you're looking for for your first child. Then she gets to Bethlehem. And when you think things couldn't get any worse, it does. She goes to the inn and there's no room in the inn. All she wants is a shower and to freshen up, but she can't because there's no room. Now, if that's you, what are you feeling in that moment? Right? What are you thinking in that moment as you experience that? For me, if I'm Joseph, I'm just hoping it wasn't my job to book the room. But Luke doesn't tell us that. Right? Maybe he couldn't have. We don't know. Luke doesn't tell us that, and then the subsequent conversation that might have happened. Instead, he just tells us the facts, right? They needed to go find somewhere, and so they went and they found maybe a stable, maybe a cave as well. We don't know, but somewhere they could have this baby. And then after the 33-hour walk, she has the baby. I mean, what a trooper, right? Mary does a great job, has the baby, wraps him in cloth, and then puts him in a manger, which is an animal trough, so pigs were literally eating out of this a few days earlier, and here now is Jesus sitting in this trough. Right now, now you've got the picture. This is the proper account. This is the real story of Jesus. And it sounds ordinary, and it doesn't sound like there's much joy attached to that. Now, it's interesting how different this is to the nativity scenes we might see at Christmas, right? Uh, there was one at uh, Garden City. This is it. Uh, we saw this uh, this Christmas season. Here it is. The uh, story of Christmas, joy to the world, it says, you've got Mary and Joseph sitting there and Jesus sitting there. If we get a close-up on their faces, I mean, look at Mary there. She's just beautiful, right? I mean, she's a queen. She's clearly had a shower. She's obviously had a chance to freshen up. Uh, then Joseph, I mean, he looks like a boss. He's doing well there as well for himself. And then Jesus just perfectly lying. The hay is just spread out. I mean, someone took ages, obviously. I mean, it was a shepherd, obviously, that must have laid the hay out like that for this baby, knowing this baby was coming. You can see it, right? And, and the picture of that, that nativity scene is it's perfect. Obviously, this is how it's going to bring joy because we have the king and the queen and this baby, and it's awesome, but the proper account of Jesus, the proper story of this birth is not really anything like that. I mean, they got the baby right. They did have a baby. But outside of that, there's not really anything else. Luke records us the story. 144-kilometer walk, no room in the inn, pain, tiresome, difficult. And we should just say as well, Luke doesn't record this for us, but there's no epidural here in the stable Right? No nurses available, no hospital bed, no view, no comfort, food. It's a pretty ordinary scene. Billy, we can get off that scene so we don't just keep looking at, you know, you'll be glued, this picture will be in your head. That's not the real picture of, of Christmas, of the story of Jesus. Right? In fact, as we read it, it's ordinary. It's, it's ordinary. It's an ordinary account of 
Christmas. It's an ordinary account of the birth of Jesus. And so the question is then, if this is supposed to bring us joy, where is the joy in all of this? Where is the joy in this ordinary account of this birth of Jesus? Well, as we keep reading, this ordinary story moves to something quite extraordinary, and that brings extraordinary joy. And we see this from verse 8 as we keep reading. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. This ordinary story of Jesus turns into something extraordinary in a matter of verses. And what we see here is that through this angel, we have news that's going to bring great joy. Now, the angel rocking up is a big deal, right? I mean, I I feel like our band actually helped us see this in that last song in O Holy Night, right? There was kind of a sense of the bigness of the moment as the angel voices, as the angel speaks. But we see this in this passage as well. As the angel turns up, the shepherds are afraid. They're freaking out, right? Now, that in itself is a big deal, right? That they're afraid of this angel. These are not like if the picture in your head is of a shepherd is, you know, a 12-year-old boy that carries a lamb around his shoulders and, you know, that's your picture of a shepherd. It's the wrong picture of a shepherd because shepherds were men who fought off bears and lions. They were used to facing things that would scare them. And yet here the angel rocks up and they're afraid. They're terrified. Right, which is interesting because throughout the Bible, when people are confronted with the power of God, there is always this sense of God is God and I am not. There is this greater sense that God is bigger than me and powerful than me and, and they're filled with fear here. But see, the angel is not coming to bring them fear or terror. He says to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that's going to cause great joy. Now hear the type of joy, not temporary joy. Not a season of joy or a day of joy, but great joy. So what is this good news? Well, the angel says, it's got to do with this baby. Not an ordinary baby sitting in an animal trough. But instead, this baby is three things. And we see that here. He is the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord. The Savior and the Messiah and the Lord. The three titles that to these shepherds couldn't really mean anything more here in this baby is something massive, is something big. And this is the good news. If we understand this good news, it's going to bring great joy. So what do these three things mean? Well, Savior. Jesus is the Savior. He is the one that will save the world. He is the hope for a broken world. He is the solution to our biggest problems. But see, the richness of Jesus being the Savior is not just that he will save us from sin. He will do that, right? His death on the cross and him rising again, he will save us from sin, But the richness of this good news is also that he saves us from everything that robs us of joy, right? So we know that things rob us from joy, right? So loneliness and isolation, anxiety and worry, even our broken bodies and our failing bodies and and even ultimately death, these things rob us of joy. They cut our joy short. But Jesus saves us from these. 
He is the Savior. He saves us from these things. And to the lonely and the isolated, he says, even if you're alone, to the end of the age, I will always be with you. For the anxious and the worried, he says, I'm in control and I've got this. And so when we look ahead at our days and our lives and we don't know if we're in control or not, we can trust the one who's in control. And to those whose body is breaking or death is a fear that we have, He died and rose again to give us a hope of something greater where our bodies won't break and death won't have a hold on us. Jesus is the Savior. But He's also the Messiah, the Anointed One, literally the Christ, the one the Old Testament was longing for. Jews were waiting for thousands of years for the Messiah to come, the hope of the world to come. And the angel says to these shepherds, the Messiah is here, the King is here, the one who will rule and reign, He's here, He's with you. And then finally, the Lord, literally God with us. God, who's different to us, saw our mess and did something about our mess. God entered into the world for us. He's the Savior, He's the Messiah, and He's the Lord. And here, when we understand who this baby is, this is where we find great joy. When we understand the goodness of this news, when we understand that Jesus did something about our mess, we find great joy a great joy that will go beyond the season, a great joy that will go beyond the day, a joy that is secure and deep and firm that lasts beyond what we're going through. Right? So the reality is for you today, this is what it means for us. Today, you might have the greatest Christmas ever. You might get the best presents. Mum and dad might nail it. You know, your husband and wife might actually get it right for once. Your friends might give you a present that you weren't expecting. The presents might be great today. The food might be off the hook today. You know, the prawns might be delicious and, you know, turn out better than you were hoping. Today, the relationships might be great and awesome and you might have the, the most perfect day in the greatest season. But the reality is you might not as well. The presents might be off. The food might not be good. You might be anxious about that and worried about hosting. Maybe you can't wait for the day to be over. Maybe the relationships are hard at Christmas. And the reality is that what once brought joy has now left a hole of despair. And for you, Christmas is really difficult. See, the message of Christmas is not that you need to have a joyful day or a joyful season. The message of Christmas is that whatever happens today, regardless of our day, we can have a deeper joy a lasting joy, a joy that is fixed in our Savior and our King and our God who entered into the mess to promise us something so much better than anything this world can offer us. This is the joy we have at Christmas time, a joy we can have regardless of the presence or the food or the relationships. We do hope that you have a Merry Christmas. We hope that this day is great for you. We hope that this season is awesome for you. But we hope that you can see that you need something more. We need something more. We need the joy found in Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you entered into our world. Thank you that through this ordinary story, there is extraordinary joy to be found. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross to save us. And that's not just true that you saved us from our sin, although that is true, but you also save us from the things that rob us of joy. Thank you that you're the king who rules and you're the God who entered into our mess. Thank you, Lord, that when we understand this message, there is great joy, joy that goes beyond the season. Help us to hold on to this today. 
Help this joy to be the joy we have today, regardless of what happens. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.